love my delete later. I bloody hope you do. You can support our show by using the new ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. Just smash that link in the show description and support us now so we can keep making this podcast. Thank you. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to Mightily Later with me, Stevie Martin, a person who simply does not like social media. And I would like to take our restraining order against it, quite frankly. And me, Gina Martin, who likes it and would like to take it out to dinner and potentially a dutty, dutty motel room. <laughs> okay, right. So it's got, it's got just full, full sex now. Just sexual, yeah. Um, to our guest today, she's a stand-up comedian. She's a host of the podcast, The Guilty Feminist, which I'm sure you all know. Um, and Global Pillage. She's also a screenwriter and a corporate speaker. She does kind of everything. She's an activist. You probably already know who we're talking about. It is Deborah Francis-White. The woman does not and shall not stop. I like this episode because uh, Deborah really uh, got stuck into Instagram and how uncomfortable it sometimes is trying to post a photo of yourself that you're like, is it too hot though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I look too good? We're talking a lot about Choose Love, which is an organisation that uh, Deborah works really closely with. And just so much more TBH. Stevie, take it away. What's in my drafts this week, are you asking? Yeah, baby girl, you know. Look, I've been doing some classic call-outs. If you don't know what a call-out is, guys, it's just when you ask uh, Twitter for something. Did a call-out. And w- w- whenever I do this... There is, every single time, there is always a man, and it is always a man, who says, who replies something to the effect of, uh, no, I haven't. You're like, why have you responded? Thanks. I've now started to either just not respond, um, or I've, I say, um, thank you for taking the time to reply to this. And that's I think so that's great. the best way. So I'm going to just do that every time, because I think it's a nice way of showing them like the complete futility of of everything that they have done while not being rude mm. uh, but also not being kind in my draft this week is uh hashtag digital detox day and i went away with my partner for two days to say a little bothy and i took two days off my social meds i deleted the apps um and i just felt really great because every well no actually i felt quite stressed that's that, i lied each gap each gap was like you know I'm in a field, there's loads of sheep, let's say, which is what happened. And Geordie went, I'm just going to go get my camera. And I was like, okay, I'll just sit here. So I, I went to scroll on my phone and I deleted the apps. And it was like, no, don't fill every gap with scrolling. Like, just look at the sheep, like watch them. They move and do different things. So I was basically really enjoying, like just watching stuff. Like at one point, Geordie made a fire and he was sitting in front of the fire and he was like looking into the fire, like a little tiny Labrador. And he was so warm and like happy with his fire. And like, I was sitting in bed and like, I would have definitely been scrolling my phone and not been able to see that like, sweet little moment so I took these two days off um with that campaign which was by Iron Hole uh Zoe Sugg and Jordan Stevens run it and it was just really great and I've decided I'm going to do each weekend I'm going to take one of the days off social 
I'm also going to do that because very, very quickly read a study about three years ago that said how important it is for your brain to have downtime because that's when it sorts out um, various ideas it's been struggling with with the week, various stresses. And with scrolling, we have now completely eradicated downtime because every time you have downtime, you're not having downtime. You're reading your phone. To our guest, um, our guest, Deborah Francis White. Excellent episode. Go to my, at might delete later pod on Instagram to see all the posts that we discuss with uh, Deborah, and um, also big thanks, uh, shout out to Zoe Harrison, who's given us a bit of a brand new look on the old main grid. We're looking smart, we're looking sassy. Enjoy. Firstly, thank you so much for doing our podcast. It's so exciting to have you on. Oh, it's an unqualified delight. Each week we ask around uh, what people would like to delete this week. What would you delete, Deborah Francis White? I would delete gender reveal parties. <gasps> now, I'll tell you why. Today or yesterday, there was a fire, you know, California's burning at the moment because it's so hot and yeah. there's a lot of bushfires. And uh, somebody did some kind of explosion. Now, for listeners who do not know what a gender reveal party is, it's when you, f- you say to the doctor, doctor says, do you want to know if it's a boy or a girl when you're pregnant? And uh, you go, do you know what? Don't tell me but tell my baker. (laughs) And they genuinely, this is what they do. It's mad. They say, uh, and then you have to take this envelope, this sealed envelope to the bakery. And you say, right, if this is a boy, make secret blue cupcakes that when you bite into them, they're blue. And if it's a girl pink, because this poor child is being, the the imposition of gender is there while they're fetal. And there's all sorts of ways of doing it, helium balloons that come out of a box and that kind of thing. But it means somebody at, Somebody down at the Helium Bloom shop knows before you whether you're having a boy or a girl. You know, even if you do want to impose gender, right? But also the fact that they've literally now, you know, caused mass devastation and deforestation and people are now just like dying because somebody set off. Now you have to tell your your, like local arsonist uh, before (laughs) um, you know what your gender of your baby is. Could you burn down... This forest, if it's a girl, and this, mm. and or perhaps nuke this city if it's a boy. Literally, but that's a very good. That's a very good delete later. I'll do mine really quickly. Um, <laughs> nail varnish because it chips. Okay, done. <laughs> shellac. You can't peel it off. I've got. I've I got know. I love shellac. shellac. It's so good, but it ruins your nails. And if you mm. and, you, and you get really tempted to peel it off because you can't take it off the regular. And then way. you rip your whole nail off. Great. That's what I did. Gina, what what's yours? Clean. I want to do like cleaning. Yeah, I just don't. I don't have the time to do it. My house is always a mess. There's always more clothes in the laundry than there are on my drawers. I'm always wearing the same thing, and yet I'm constantly served these pictures of people with like white stainless steel houses on Instagram. And they all look amazing, and my house is just full of like crap. I cannot stay on top of the clutter. No, so my house I. isn't dirty, but it's cluttered it's and I'm desperately like, what is this sort of stuff that keeps appearing? How can we yeah. keep a whole... We just need less stuff in the world. To kick us off and start with our mm. little first chat, Debs, can you tell us what your screen time is? I was nine hours last week, which is really bad because I was working on my phone all day. So I'm going to hope mine's gone down by last yeah, week. Yeah, see, I blame work because I do a lot of work on my phone. So I email on my phone. I write notes on my phone every time I have a thought. Mm. I don't think it's... First of all, how, uh, screen time, here we go. Daily average. What was yours? Oh my god, mine's now six hours. It's gone up. What's yours, Gina? My mine was last week nine. Mine's now five hours forty two minutes. Mine is seven hours thirty three. I don't think that's okay. that's too bad given 
I work on my phone a lot. Yes, sure. That's the difference. Is like and I you watch do like a. On okay, here's an example. I am reading a book on my phone at the moment, mm-hmm. which I don't yeah. enjoy doing. If someone sent me yeah. a, I love the book. Someone sent me an advanced copy of their book, but I'm reading it on my phone, and I hate that because I see messages pop up, and I want to hold a book. Really, I, you know, took a break and watched a half hour Netflix comedy that was on my phone uh I post activism on my phone same uh (laughs) you know uh, I mean I post activism what does that mean I post tweets and it you know I Instagram exactly that it's the reading it's the like researching it's posting Mm -hmm. it's I work out with my phone it's meetings it's whatsapp it like it's just everything here's an example I've been writing a script but when I write the script I create a little um soundtrack for myself oh and like uh, so that it's sort of the relevant songs of the period or songs that I think mm. would be the soundtrack to keep me in the space. Mm. Does that count as screen time if I'm playing that off my phone? Because I had a dance class no. this morning and I used the music. I had a personal training and I used the music off here. It might no, count that as screen time. you're not staring at it though, are you? You're just using the phone. Well, if it doesn't count that as screen time, I'm in trouble. In general, <laughs> I think we all have to be aware that probably anything over like, in, if you if an alien came down from the land of Jupiter and was like, oh, they're all staring at their phone for six, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours a day, you'd be like, right, that's not good, is no, it? No, I'd have so a it's just, I'd have an Who is this like, judgmental alien? What do they do on 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 their planet? I don't know. I reckon they've got they, bad habits. They meditate. I reckon they've got issues. Well, if they're such meditators, why are they here? You know, like <laughs> they're. <laughs> They've come to the wrong planet, mate. I don't want a wellness alien. I've got enough. A alien. wellness alien. I hate it. I don't want this judgy wellness alien telling me that I need to meditate. I don't know what they do there, but you know, it's right here on here, here on planet Earth, what we do is sit on our phones all day. Okay, if you could change one thing about Twitter. I would completely get off it. My dream is to become <laughs> right, okay. so successful that I don't ever need to look at Twitter again. Yes. But someone That's else so could do that for me. We said this the, before we were doing this recording because mm-hmm. I was like, the thing about Deborah is I don't, I feel like she's surpassed needing to be on social media. Yeah. And um, it's interesting that you <laughs> seem to not think that. No, That's a classic, not. isn't it? No. Right, I see. Okay. I, I'm, de- I'm delighted that you see me that way. <laughs> what would that look like for you? Like, I mean, at, the brilliant Anna runs the Guilty Feminist Instagram account, but I yes. often at it, and I run DF Dubs, and I put all mm. my personal stuff on DF Dubs and all my activism on DF Dubs, and I've still only got half the followers that I have on Instagram. I'm annoyed by that because I post more of my, you know, my cat pictures, my thirst traps. Uh, why, yes. why are my followers not interested in that? Why are they yeah, over on annoying. the Guilty Feminist I do also do, I do my most passionate personal activism. Like, like I personalize things and I really mm. think about what I put, but I try and always remember to put at the guilty feminist and then share it on that story as well. I really do try. And mm. when I say thirst traps, by the way, I am being, uh, I'm risibly taking the piss out of myself. I thought you were going to say but, I am being raunchy then. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, sure. I'm being wry. Wry, uh, not raunch. More wry than raunch. Because mm. um, I don't really do that. I don't, I can't take myself seriously enough. I just. Not good fashion and good dresses though. On your account. You got, I do fashion and, and dresses, but I don't do like, you know, ooh. Here's my tent. Ooh. 
here's my boob yeah <laughs> yeah nice. you you look so great and like and you, you go to so many events and you wear beautiful dresses do you ever put up a, a, a photo and you're like is that a bit too sexy which is yes. ridiculous yes how do you how do you deal with well, that you know i i post I, I suppose i post that kind of thing in infrequently hmm. but i yes i do obsess over whether people think i look good or whether I've just sort of thrown out something casual or whatever. The best photos are like if someone else has taken a photo of me while I'm on stage that I like, I think that's fine because someone else has taken that. It's when it's obviously a selfie that I'm like, oh, well, they know that I've taken 400 because that's what they do. But then that's what they do. So I'm like, you know, either what I've tried to do, I sometimes now post a picture of me where I don't quite like myself because I realise I don't see what other people are seeing. They're not seeing that. I understand that. Like I'll, uh, uh, you know, friends of mine will go, oh no, that's an awful picture. You know, I'll show them a picture that I think looks nice of them and they'll go, no. And all of our ideas of ourselves because of our mirror management are so different from what we actually look like. 100%. What I try and do sometimes to, to get out of this head is I look at a picture of someone I think looks spectacular in a magazine and I think, what, if I were that person, what wouldn't I like about that picture? And I start scanning it for all the angle of the chin or the the way the dress is falling over the stomach or the arm or like and I've just looked and gone wow what what a you know what a dream imagine looking like that but mm. I I trained my eye to go I what's that person honing in on and I didn't even see it and even though I'm now looking at that thing I'm going it's it's gorgeous it's lovely it's yeah I'm not seeing that as negative so I try and train my eye to look at what you wouldn't like about your photo and I still love the photo Um, good to know you're doing that on our Instagram yeah great you you can see my very small head you can see how small my head looks next to my shoulders that's mine can I look you're speaking to someone that I am affectionately in family photos called Gulliver because I can dwarf a national monument Oh, no, 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 I can't. My head <laughs> next to other women's heads, it's just, you know, I, I it, my head is three times as big as anyone else's. In the times before, in the long ago, before COVID, I dressed up a lot. I had my hair and makeup done a lot for, you know, all sorts of events and things like that. And I, that is who I am. I'm a very femme person. That's, that's genuinely me. So I fell into somewhat of a depression uh, in the first month or so of COVID, not just, I mean, because the world had, was gone and all my friends were not, you know, I couldn't hug my friends or I was worried that I couldn't go and see my mom or, you know, Mm. if I needed to. And, you know, it was, it was really that, that part was obviously the real reason I was depressed, but occasionally I'd look at myself because I was seeing myself on all these zoom calls and I was like, you just become obsessed with yourself. And I was just like, this isn't good. And also I wasn't making those efforts that I'd made. So I wasn't seeing my, my whole real femme done up self. Your whole expression, yeah. In talking of lockdown and Instagram Live and all those kinds of things, you did this show, The New Normal. Tell yes. us a little bit about that and what was the kind of thinking around that? Because obviously your entire industry changed when lockdown happened. So I decided to do this show called The New Normal. And that was also to sort of make sure I had contact. Also, I felt for the first week or so, I felt like, no one's hearing from me. I just really went into myself. And I'm sure lots of people who listen to The Guilty Feminist might be looking to me to say, what could Deborah come on, say something encouraging or inspirational or funny mm-hmm. or, or, or depressing or anything. Just say something, to, you know, about how you're feeling about this. Because, you know, I do a weekly 
podcast and I had lots of podcasts in the bank, so I didn't need to make any podcasts, but I wasn't saying anything. So I thought, right, let's talk about this every day. So every day I did an Instagram live show and I had the same, very similar set of questions where I was asking people how they were doing and what their strategies were for their mental health, for um, whether they were like reading or binging anything, what their lowest moment had been. And it was great. And virtually every day, they're archived on YouTube, but virtually every day someone cried for the first two or three weeks. Yeah, virtually every day. But no, it was good because we were sort of... Cathartic. Yeah. And I think people that a lot of the listeners had, you know, you know, seen and knew well and, you know, admired, they were seeing the most popular question was what's your lowest moment? Because it, I think in those, in that stage one of lock, lockdown, what people were live streaming were their best moments. Understandably, of course, no yeah. one wants to live stream themselves under a duvet crying. They, but they were like, I remember early on people were putting up screenshots of themselves on house party with their best mates. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, Oh, I know everyone in that. And I didn't get invited to that. Or here's it. We're all, we've all made margaritas and we're wearing funny hats. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're having such a good time. And I've got loads me. of hats to contribute. And no one <laughs> and asked I, yeah. Me. And I've, felt like crying I was just like mm. you know and I did cry and it was just a state of mind it wasn't a real it wasn't real but it's really easy to think everyone else is having a lockdown of margaritas and banana bread and you know all of these fun online quizzes and things like that and that you're not coping and so to hear every single day you know people saying oh actually I'm binging Bojack Horseman I'm loving it but there was a time when I sat on the kitchen floor and cried because we'd run out of milk and I'd already been out for my hour for the day and I thought Aww. I really shouldn't go out again. And, you know, something like that. Or, you know, yeah. Cindy V came on and very poignantly talked about mourning her mother in lockdown because her oh. mother had died not long before lockdown and how difficult that was. And also she'd had COVID herself. And, you know, um, it was it's a remarkable episode because it's what I feel those early episodes are. It's just like raw humanity. It was like people opening their chest and going, and showing us, a part of them we had never seen and we may never see again. It was just a sort of unique period of time where we were so raw, we were unable to cover it with our normal. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, let's get into your posts and your first tweet you ever did on the 7th of November, 2008. Oh, and it is simply, is joining Twitter? Because <laughs> oh, in those days, it was Deborah Francis White is. Yeah. 
What was my second tweet? Your second tweet was, is election lagged? Could the next US election be held at a more convenient time for Londoners? Political. Um, <laughs> That, that was a, a joke. That was a joke. A good joke. Good joke and a good point. And um, I wanted to ask actually because I, in my head, Facebook statuses had is, but Twitter yeah. didn't. But when you linked Twitter and Facebook, which a lot of people did, mm. people would do the is to try and link it, and then very quickly find out that the linking didn't really make any sense. It just meant that you had like loads of Facebook statuses. I think I was probably just in the Facebook head. I did link them pretty quickly, and then people yeah. muted me on Facebook because I was <laughs> tweeting, and I and I was like, oh, okay, I've got to delink these. I've got to delink because yes. Twitter yes. will take a certain amount. Facebook won't, and Instagram apparently. Like I didn't understand how to be cool on Instagram. I mean, I still don't, and I still don't care, but. Someone told me, no, 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 you're only meant to, you maximum one picture a day, but you shouldn't really post that often. And it's really all about the stories in your feed. You shouldn't post that often and only an amazing picture. This is interesting because the Instagram business weekends away tell you to post four times a day. But how, how, how much do you post on, on Instagram, would you say? Oh, um, well, I post quite a lot of stories. Uh, I do a lot of politics on my stories. Um, mm-hmm. I do sort of fun things on my stories. Because uh, you know that they're going to disappear. Mm-hmm. It's so much it's more almost easier, isn't it? Yeah. And it's good for timely stuff. So if you're doing stuff that's poli- like political or to do with activism, timely stuff that you want to, mm-hmm. okay, this is happening right now, let's Let's do this next. Let's take this step. That makes more sense on stories on feed. It doesn't make as much sense. May I also ask about Twitter? Do how often do you delete tweets? Only if I discover I shouldn't have posted that. Right. <laughs> um, like today, I posted. I retweeted that a little girl was missing, like a teenage girl was missing, mm. and then somebody said, "Hey, you know that that you just retweeted." It's to a person, it's not to the authorities. And how do you know that that's not an abuser trying to find out where she is? And I was like, I don't, that's a really good point. So, and then somebody else said, yeah, this is something to be aware of. And you, you shouldn't tweet something, retweet something just from an individual looking for another individual. So I said, thank you very much. That's a good note. And I tweeted and I deleted that tweet. Oh, such um, like healthy, an unretweet. That's a very healthy, like, so many people would, would reply to that and be like, don't do much retweet, I'm just trying to help. It wasn't my fault, that wasn't my intention. It's like, yeah, great, just say thank you and then edit. I mean, delete. mostly I have realised that, the more that, the, the more that you do that, the more you just go, thank you, noted. I mean, sometimes if someone's trying to make me do something that I think, well, I'm, that doesn't feel or seem right to me, I will push back or I'll just ignore it. Um, but whenever you, whenever you try and go, oh, well, I was just trying to help, blah, 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 blah. It's always lands. It's always defensive and it doesn't need to be. No. That person is telling you that to fix a problem. So I'd rather just go, thanks. Well spotted. Good note. Like, you know, so uh, much easier. you know, but I mean, that is helpful. I think that is helpful. I yeah. do want to know that they have, they, and I think it's kind of a compliment that they think, that what when someone says that to you, if they follow you, especially they've assessed that someone like you would need to know something like this, and they've assumed you don't know it or you wouldn't have done it. So that's a compliment. So it's sort of like it's like really kind of more high five, sister. You know? Yeah, that's, great. that's a positive way to see it. Should we go on to your proud post? Yeah, like tell us about yes. that. Okay, or your proud so- series of posts. So last year, the Guilty Feminist has been very involved with refugees and Choose Love um, for some years now. Um, We went out to Calais and did some podcasting out there. And then lots and lots of Guilty Feminist listeners started to go and volunteer in Calais. And Mm. it became 
you know, like the main source of volunteers for um, a period of time. Um, wow. And Josie, um, who uh, Josie, who runs Help Refugees, which is increasingly they're changing their branding fully to Choose Love. So mm-hmm. Josie, who runs Choose Love, said to me, you know, the the campaigning that you do and the the way that you explain the situation has been very uh you know there's a really great and a symbiotic relationship with choose love that's really working so we'd love to take you out um to greece to a refugee camp there so you can see it and you can see all of these because what choose love do is fund all these grassroots so you know out there there's a company called watershed and what they do is provide sewage and uh, showers, you know, lose, um, keep the drains running. If something overflows, you know, they fix that up. Now, if they didn't do that, they'd be typhoid. So yeah. they're absolutely integral. But most people are not going to donate directly. They're too small to to watershed. They're not. They mm. don't have the campaign, you know, heft, and they can't be doing that. They can't be on social media all day. They need to be actually need to be digging, digging trenches and putting in loos and fixing showers and stuff. Mm. So people have access to basic very very basic things for their hygiene and you know they can wash stuff and you know so I made these posts because the camp that I visited in Greece had had a big fire and they suddenly needed thousands of pounds or people's people were not going to have shelter for the night they were not going to have um lose they were not going to have enough space to care for their children it's terrible terrible situations but the these posts at that time we had to raise money very very quickly I think it was 25,000 pounds or euros like overnight we had to raise and um choose love were asking for help and people were posting pictures of the fire and they were posting pictures of sadness and they were posting pictures of uh devastation and, and understandably I understand why people were doing that and and that that is valid to do as uh, so this is not me criticizing anyone else's posts but I just thought pragmatically, we've got to raise this money. And I know that when lots of bad things are happening in the world, I sometimes, for my mental health, have feel like I have to scroll past, like I can't cope with that as well. There's too many mm-hmm. sad things, too many sad things, too many sad things. But I have to be in a frame of mind to receive it and engage with it. And mm. I thought I need people. And that, what I felt was everyone who had a disposition to, or, or were in the state of mind today to respond to something very sad and very tragic we're already seeing those other posts. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, what is something that nobody is posting that's going to catch the eye of different people or people in a different state of mind? And so yeah. I started to think about all the, and in, an, in an attempt to individualize, I started thinking about individuals that I knew who were refugees. So I did a, a, a series of these posts and I posted these little four square with their four portraits on it of mm-hmm. these four surprising people that you'd think they how they grouped together what's the answer to this um and the question was yeah what does Myla Kunis Albert Einstein Tom Stoppard and Madeleine Albright have in common and I did these you know different four people each time yeah. and the answer is they're all refugees and so that immediately because it's a celebrity post it's like oh you know, what does um, Sigmund it? Freud have to do with Bob Marley? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, I, I don't I don't know. What have they got in common? What's Regina Spector got in common with Judith Kerr, who wrote When Hit the Star Pink Rabbit and the Tiger That Came to Tea? And so people stopped on it because it was a quiz and it had celebrities yeah. in it. Uh, so then the post says, they were at some point in their life, they were refugees. At one point in his life, Freddie Mercury was a refugee. And so was Gloria Estefan. 
Um, so what happened to those people that they were ha- able to come into the f- their fullness of self and yeah. be the artist or the, the thinker or the scientist or whatever that you know and love? What happened? Something must have happened. And the answer is somebody helped them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and from that, I came up with the slogan that I'm working with Choose Love on now, which is a re- being a refugee is just a chapter in anyone's life. It's not yeah. who they are. It's cool. definitely a chapter in your life which will define yeah. you. Absolutely. It will be part yeah. of you forever. Um, but it's not it's not the only thing about you. It's not who you fundamentally are. Doesn't that lead on to your post you regret? Because from what I gather you've got a comment underneath one of these kind of four people. What was the comment? I did. So in that next, I think it was 48 hours, I was I posted all sorts of different versions of this. So I was sort of extrapolating out and coming up with this campaign. And somebody um, wrote underneath the one about Einstein, um, you shouldn't put Einstein as an example because he wasn't very nice to his wife. And uh, he left her for another woman. He was uh, quite you know, emotionally abusive to her. And I happen to know a bit about this, actually, because my friend... Um, Monica Bolecki, who has actually been on the podcast when I was in LA, an episode that came out recently, had written a screenplay about uh, his wife who was treated very badly. And she has done a lot of research and thinks that they came up with a lot of the ideas for the theory of relativity together. Um, There is, and and that he took all the credit, but he did give her all his Nobel Prize money. Um, oh. And as a sort of payout, which she wanted, she demand she sort of demanded it. But so there's some possible evidence around, you know, like we don't know for sure because, of course, women are always written out of history, and our achievements are written out of history. But there's, you know, it looks like Maleva uh, did, yeah, yeah, he did, he didn't treat her well, and he possibly stole her ideas, right? Um, and this person put underneath, sort of as if I didn't know. Well, you won't know that, you know, you you should yeah. put Einstein, and I and I did know, and I thought. Mm, that's not the point of this, though. I am looking, yes. I'm doing, and this is my third post now where I need a four square of refugees. He wasn't the first one I went for, but, you know, uh, so I just sort of said, oh, actually, I know about that and I, I hear you and that would be a good thing to talk about on the podcast, but right now we need to raise £25,000 for refugees. There's an immediate goal there and that history doesn't delegitimise that entire idea and concept when it's no. doing something brilliant for something that needs to be immediately dealt with. But what yeah. I said to her was, instead of just saying, thank you, good note, I'm going to drive forward with, or, or just DMing her. In the end, I did DM her because she really got angry. And I DMed right. her and she said, I'm just trying to do what you do on The Guilty Feminist and, mm. um, you know, stand up for women. And I said, I do get that. But right now, a lot of the people in the refugee camp are women. Uh, a lot of the most people who are famous from history are men. I mean, I had balanced out men and women, but, you know, that's yeah. true because of the history of the world and the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And right now I need to raise £25,000. So can we get on the same team? Because I absolutely hear you and I, and I absolutely hear point. And yes. I knew, I think I knew at some point I'd get Monica on to talk about Einstein. So I knew that this was pressing. But the other thing, and this was hard, this is hard to sort of frame and say, but I did mm. say it to the DMs. I said, here's the thing. Some men in refugee camps aren't very nice to their wives. But some people in refugee camps are the loveliest people you've ever met. Some aren't. But do you know why? Because refugees are people. And some yeah. people in your street aren't very nice to their wives. But it doesn't, it doesn't delegitimize their chance to allow their family to live somewhere they're not going to die. 
what element of the interaction did you regret? Because it feels like that seems fair enough. I let it escalate and I patron- right. I think I patronised her in the first instance. I think I went... Right. Like publicly I, as well. Yeah, I, suppose, I think if I DM'd of- her and just gone, hey, I absolutely know what you mean. You're right. But he was a genius. <laughs> and we have lots of things we wouldn't have without him. Even though he wasn't nice to his wife, like I just can't, I can't make that leap with you. It is also like it's it's this thing with which I feel like I see quite a lot of with when I dip my toe into like reading about sort of activism and reading about sort of sort of the things like that that we're talking about now, where someone will kind of put underneath, yeah, but what about this? Or oh, but did you know? And it's like okay, but we like the world is incredibly flawed. We're all incredibly flawed living on it. And when somebody is doing some good for a specific thing, unless like there is something hugely wrong with the cause they are talking about, and that's actually going to make things a lot worse for people, it discourages other people from doing something good as well. Because like. But I'll get it wrong. And you're like, oh, but you can't get it. You shouldn't be able to get it wrong if you're just doing some good. Well, well, that's sort of what I should have said to her in the DMs. I should have said, hey, can we just get on the same team? And the thing is, I did really quickly. I thought she's angry now. I can neutralize this. But I pride myself on being able to build a bridge. And I can't always do it. But as Mm. long as I've had a decent crack at it, building a bridge, I'm, I'm, I'm usually okay with that. And I've done this before where people were arguing under my, you know, left wing people are all arguing under my thing. And I've just said, can, okay, can we all, could we all agree on this thing? Can we all agree? The one thing we agree on is we don't want refugees to be left in the middle of the ocean to die. So can we yeah. all po- repost this and agree that we don't agree on all the details, but let's all repost this because we've got to raise the money. And when I've done that, people have gone, yes, we can all yeah. agree on this yeah. and we're going to do it. Find that common action. Because it was my post and lots of people under my post would go, oh, Deborah, you're doing a great thing. I think my manner to her was patronising and I I regret right. it. I think I should have said, I should have DM'd her and said, I absolutely get what you're saying. I agree. Uh, Einstein was both a genius and a bastard. I'm trying to find examples. Do you know any other examples? Because I'm trying to raise this money really quickly. But, but I, I sort of said something like, do you see why that's not the point now? And that's patronising. And I wish when you, I and, and especially typed. When you don't yeah. say it. Yeah, I mean, you can't actually. see the In the pub, of- exactly. You'd see the face and you'd go, no, 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 but you know, you don't get what I mean. And, and then yeah. someone would go, I'm going to get a round in. And there would be a neutralising because of social norms, but on social media, it escalates so quickly. But, and I don't mind being attacked by, you know, I'm, if a men's rights activist comes on and says feminism is cancer, it doesn't affect me at all, really, because I'm just like, you're not on my team. And the bridge I would have to, I'd have to, I'd need so much wood and so much time and energy to build that bridge to you right now. I don't have that kind of time, you know, yeah. but all bandwidth for you right now. And it doesn't matter because you're not on my team. It's when people who are on my team come after me. And their first instinct is very aggressive. It's just the way on Twitter that there's this sometimes this assumption that you need to go in as hard as possible, even when it's an ally. And I think I've been listening to Baratunde's Thurston's podcast, which is incredible if you haven't listened to it. There's one called We're Having a Moment, which is six episodes. It's like a limited series. And there's a new one called How to Citizen. And he's an African-American comedian, actor, writer and activist and Black Lives Matter activist. Absolutely brilliant guy. And he had on a guest who was saying um, in order to build, if you're an ally, I mean, I don't expect, you know, a trans person to have to sit and justify their humanity and their existence, their identity to somebody else. But as an ally, I'm not trans, I'm cis. So uh, it's my job, I think, to build a bridge and not immediately shoot that person down because I I need to win over more people to make... 
the life of trans people easier, not harder, because I've now alienated someone who might have been ready to go, oh, of course. Or That's exactly go, how I feel all the time. Yeah. One of his guests, Valerie Kaur, had some very uh, pertinent questions that allies uh, could ask people who were on the other side of the divide or um, in some way holding a hateful view or a view of hate uh, that was that were very, very helpful. She said, can you ask the person whose worldview is so different from your own? If you're an ally or if you are even, you know, if I'm a, if I was talking to a men's rights activist that I thought I can build a bridge to you, the questions I thought were really good. How are you misunderstood? And what are you most afraid if your worldview fails? And that's a really empathetic question, but also allows them to go, well, people think we hate women and we don't because of da, 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 da. Okay. So if your worldview failed and mine succeeded, feminism, what's the worst thing that could happen? And that then what you'll find is, because she was saying there are no monsters, there are only wounded people. I really agree with that. That's such a good way of putting it. And and she was very acknowledging that if somebody's standing on your neck or kneeling on your neck, you are not obliged to look up and think, oh, how are you feeling? Um, yeah. But if you want to make the world a better place, and this is not, and you're an ally, if you're a white person and other white people are going, well, I sort of see the point, you know, but, you know, or, well, I'm afraid, you know, I just think racism's racism, no matter if someone's black or white and, you know, they were racist to me. For me to gun them down when I'm another white person, when I, my job should be to make the world a better place for black people. Yeah. It's not, it's not my job to get as angry and emotional <laughs> about it as if I were the target of their yeah. racism. And create also, like, it's up to us to create a space with people from our community who are on that journey of learning to create a space that's, like, away from those marginalised who are always doing the work. It should be yeah. me with other people in my community and we can be talking about it and they feel like they can get things wrong and I can say, well, I used to do this too and now what I've... It's all of yeah. that, but you can't do all that on social. I think that's a really good lesson is to take it away and call people in. Or to set, certainly take it off the DMs where it's exposed... Like take it off the offline and the try public. and go to DMs yes. where it's less yes. exposing. And also it's easier to to go, I see your point and not feel like you're losing status when there's, it's not in public and other people aren't going to come and shine in. Thank you so much, Deborah. That's so, like, interesting and... Uh, it was. So rich! It was, it was fascinating. And um, I, the work that you're doing is excellent. And also, yeah. obviously, I mean, I feel like everyone listening listens to your, to your podcast, so it's almost, almost pointless, but, like... Please go and listen to The Guilty Feminist, Global Pillage. And is there, is there anything else that you want to promote? The Guilty Feminist book, um, we cancel tickets to shows very much at the moment, if yeah. at all. So if anyone wants to give to our Patreon, which we only set up because of lockdown, that would be amazing. Or if you could buy my book or some Guilty Feminist merch, we would love you forever. There we go. Perfect. Lovely. Well, thank you thank for coming. You. We love you and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Love you lots. What an absolute cracker of an episode. Uh, please do follow Deborah Francis White on Twitter at Deborah FW, which stands for Francis White, and Instagram DF Dubs. Um, yeah, she posts a lot of cool stuff on there and mm. a lot of stuff that you can get involved with to help um, in regards to what she was talking about with Choose Love. So do follow her. Also, follow us, Mike Delete Later Pod, on IG and Mike Delete Pod on Twitter. And also emails any guests you'd like to see on the podcast, mightdeletelaterpod at gmail.com. Look, give us a subscribe, give us a lovely review. That would be delectable. 
And remember, social media can be a really great place for activism, for hot selfies, for thirst traps, and for learning. But it can also be a place for sadness. Oh. I haven't thought it through, all but right. it's quite bad sometimes. It's all right, because if you feel quite sadness, you can just delete it later. Hey. See you next week. Hey. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.